Welcome to the Legendarium. Egwene just totally like opens a can of white power on the uh, <laughs> white cloaks. <laughs> or one power, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey everybody, welcome back. It's the Legendary Podcast. I am Craig Hanks, and today it is the Dragon Reborn, finally, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, let's introduce the rest of our stable of weirdos. If charm were currency, he'd be flat broke. It's Ryan Bruckman. <laughs> and, and maybe if currency were currency. <laughs> flat broke is a pretty safe way of describing everything. <laughs> and he's as welcome as a horse's head in your bed. It's Kyle Hunt. Wait, what? <laughs> Didn't you ever see Godfather? Well, yeah, but Kyle Hunt. Kyle, what's your last name? Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> I got you confused with somebody else I know. <laughs> now I'm all embarrassed. It's Kyle Lemon. <laughs> there it is. Hey. I didn't just screw up Kyle Lemon's last name, confusing him with another Kyle that I've known previously. Uh, so, dude, it's okay. It's I'm been a sorry, long man. Day. It's why I don't let him know anybody else named Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you systematically kill them off. I, I hunt them down. Uh, and it turns out you can teach this old guy some new tricks, and he'll show them to you just as soon as you can prove you aren't a cop. It's Ken Johnson. I think you mean I'll turn them. Tricks turn. Tr- yeah. Th- thanks. Thanks for explaining the joke. Ken. Althor, I buy <laughs> everything. Twenty twenty, man. That's okay. That's my new Althor. So anyway, uh, that was one of the worst <laughs> intros we've ever done. I've ever done, I should say. We'll we'll throw it in there. Top five. I, worst. I do I do feel pretty awful about Kyle Hunt. Uh, it's Kyle Lemon. If Kyle Hunt is listening to this, hey buddy. Uh, yeah, he's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> all right. So it, like I said, it is the Dragon Reborn. Um, today it marks like gosh, it's got to be four or five weeks since we released the last Wheel of Time one, so I know I've been chomping at the bit. I'm sure lots of other people have. Um, It's very good to be back. Before we get started on that, a little housekeeping. Patreon.com slash Legendarium. Please go there and donate to the podcast. We are creeping up on our goal of $150 per episode. If we can get there, I will start paying these guys a little bit to show up uh, just to just to make them a little more excited to bring you this wonderful content. That's my goal, uh, and I include myself in that. <laughs> I don't get anything until uh, until what we he get to 250. What he hasn't told you is that he's going to pay us in like gift card, like exactly. Well, I got to avoid taxes. Hey, I'm no dummy or name recognition. I'm not actually, actually knowing our it's names. It's coupons, actually. Is what <laughs> shut I'm up! For here. Shut coupons. up, <laughs> Kyle. Your currency is human decency I f- today. I feel awful. I really do. I, I, I do. I feel awful. I've sat next to you for like a freaking year at work, and uh, and I forgot your last name. So that's fun. Now you know how I feel. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, obligatory spoiler alert for all of book three. We are doing two episodes on this, but honestly, we're going to just spoil the whole thing. So if you haven't read it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, if you're listening to this, let's be honest, it's because you've read The Wheel of Time. So I'm not too terribly worried, but thought I'd throw that out there. Um, You guys want a little recap? Then we can dive in? Yeah. All right. Book three of The Wheel of Time might as well be called Matt Cawthon Reborn. This is really his book in some ways. Finally, we get lots of point-of-view stuff from Matt and the irresponsible teenager inside all of us, the one that hates responsibility and never wants to grow up, rejoices. 
Matt also does the most traveling in this book, as he's taken from Falma to Tarvalin, where he has some adventures, then from Tarvalin to Camelin, where he has some adventures, then he quickly heads to Tyr for the climactic adventures. Oh, and he has a bunch of adventures along the way as well. Rand, for his part, is blessedly missing for almost all of the book as a point-of-view character. The book is about him, of course, but it's concerned mostly with chasing him after he runs off and wondering whether he's completely mad yet on account of the, you know, mass slaughter and stuff. Uh, Rand has run off to attempt to fulfill some prophecy or die trying so that he can finally put to rest the speculation of whether he's really the Dragon Reborn. Now, while I enjoy being outside of Rand's perspective so much, this unfortunately means that we have to spend a bunch of time in Perrin's head, which is quickly becoming my least favorite place in the entire series. Here's hoping that that improves. But we do put up with Perrin because we get to hang out with some old favorites like Moraine and Loyal, plus some interesting new additions like Gaul, the imprisoned Aiel, and Fael, the insufferable jerk who takes a shining to Perrin. Eventually, they all converge on Tyr, where Matt blows some stuff up, Perrin is worthless again, and Rand literally pulls the sword from the stone, finally, probably, kills Ishmael, and declares himself the rightful king of the Britons. And there was much <laughs> rejoicing. Yay! So, there you have it. That's book three. Did the girls do anything? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> they tugged <laughs> on their really braids funny. and fold their arms under the boobs. Which is really funny because... <laughs> Craig, I I told Craig this a little bit earlier. Uh, he made the comment, "This is Matt's book." Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so well that it, that's the impression I get. <laughs> it's the impression the that impression I get looking that. back on the book. Mm -hmm. But then when you when you said uh, who was the the most frequent point of view character, and I actually thought about it, it's obviously Egwene. Yeah. Um, and yeah, lots of stuff happens. And actually, I'll, I'll bring up some of that stuff when we get there. But I really liked the, the women's chapters. Somehow it didn't feel as consequential um, as the guys' chapters. Um, I, I, I don't know if... I don't think I'm being biased there because I've made it really clear. Their storyline is much more engaging to me. And I don't accept this book from that. I, I still think that's true. Mm -hmm. but um, but somehow the guy's stuff felt more consequential in this case. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's There's a little bit more of a setup to bigger things going on in the future is my feel um, based on what the women, especially what they get tasked with towards the end of, you know, through towards the end of this book here. Um, is that I, towards the end? It, uh, it's not. It, it's halfway. Let's be honest. These say. are long ass books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, but... W I, I cannot imagine that this would that their task to uh, find the who's Black Aja and everything is something yeah. that will resolve itself by the end of this book, and it doesn't, um, or that it's going to resolve itself anytime soon. Mm -hmm. That's going to be something that, that's going to be an, uh, a storyline that follows through the majority of this series, I'm guessing, um, until the Black Aja either, you know, I don't know, steps out and takes, you know, makes, makes themselves public. Goes public, whatever they're gonna do. Uh, Has their IPO. They have an IPO. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but and Come then we the also get the we have cookies. We get the introduction uh, through Egwene of I don't know if it's an introduction or not, but Teleron Riode. Oh yeah, sure. We're yeah. starting to introduce this this other entirely other world that they're gonna be able to to work in. Which we really got our introduction uh, in the Great Hunt. Well, yeah, but I don't think but we really knew quite, much yeah, about we, it. Exactly. We then. didn't know what it was, but they, they refer back to it right. in this one. 
that oh yeah by the way the the portal stones and and the dream world and all of those those are all connected yeah that's all you know real and spectacular do the portal stones take you to Teleron Rio they no, reference uh, it, it maybe that's I think that's unclear and that's part of the problem mm-hmm. nobody knows at least through book three what in the world is this place what. Mm-hmm. It, it's so ill-defined. Well, and you and I talked about this at work um, several Un- times. Unfortunately, not about your times. last name. Yeah, but. just just you know other important things. <laughs> um, this is the dream book. Like this is where dreams just like blow up. Where we learn about the dream world, which is both well, it's both Telar and Riyadh and the Wolf Dream. Um, so Egwene's right. doing all of her dreaming. Perrin's doing all of his dreaming. Rand enters the dream world, and they're seeing him in there, um, seeing him, you know, enter actually like in the flesh and mm-hmm. not just in right. in dreaming. And he's he. I don't think he really understands what it is, but he's there. Um, and just all of the the dream sequences that Egwene sees about all of our main characters, and like almost like foretelling or prophecy or prophesying, and so. There's all kinds of dreaming going on. It's a very dreamy book. <laughs> and it's really confusing because yes. he doesn't... It, it, I guess it's smart in some ways because he's introducing it to us through these characters who have no idea what it is. We don't have any Just idea like what readers, it is. Yeah. So I, I get that, but he he the hints he leaves aren't just like tantalizing little tidbits. It's like, no... Dear reader, there are huge chunks of knowledge that you're missing that are extremely vital to what's going on with these characters right now. Have fun. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you glad you have 10 more books to figure it out? (laughs) Well, that's the thing is, and and I I bring up this quote a lot uh, as I'm reading things like fantasy literature, especially epic fantasy. But there's that quote where that dusty old 19th century guy said, prose in the best prose, you don't know it's beautiful until you've read to the end. Well, I'm I'm going to hold to that. And right now there are things that are really frustrating me. And I'm just going to say, all right, they're frustrating. I'll put them on a back burner. And then when we get to book 14 and we close the last page, then I'll be able to say, all right, not only did it drive me crazy, it sucked. And how dare you? Or, you know, oh, man, what a great stroke of genius that guy pulled off. Speaking of things coming to an end that were driving crazy... Um, thankfully, Matt gets cured in this one, like you said. Oh, <sighs> my goodness. Thank goodness. That I, was getting wearisome. A little bit. But I, I was concerned at first read of this that Matt, that it was going to be the journey to get Matt to get healed. And, and they didn't do that. It was like, I, I think it was only like a couple chapters. It was like, yeah, now they're at Tarvalon. Oh, actually, it was it was crazy. I went back today and looked at my notes. And it wasn't until like page 150, maybe. Mm-hmm. That they finally got him back and got him healed. It was mm-hmm. a considerable way into the book. Yeah, no, he he doesn't get healed until but like I, chapter twenty. Yeah, I think there mm-hmm. were a lot of Rand and Perrin chapters um, at uh, front loaded. It still so, felt. I mean, I I guess it still felt pretty quick in in the sense like th- they could have taken the entire book right, to get him right there, right. and then he would have been healed, and then something would have happened, and he would have been pulled right back to Rand anyway. So, but I guess they needed to, you know. Thankfully, he didn't do that, and he had time to work his way back to Rand anyway. That makes me yeah. that makes me think, though. Um, even though they didn't spend a ton of time on the like the journey to Tarvalin to get him healed, what they what he actually talked about in that, where uh, they run into the White Cloaks. The White Cloaks are like laying siege to Tarvalin, not really like attacking it, but the White Cloaks are out 
on the border. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, presence felt. Yeah, and uh, the Wonder Girls, uh, Egwene <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, Nive, Nynaeve, and Egwene just totally like opens a can of white power on the uh, <laughs> white folks, <laughs> or one power, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's interesting because, like, Aes Sedai, like, Varen gets pissed. Like, Aes Sedai are not supposed to use the one power against anybody except for Shadow Spawn or, like, if their life's being threatened or whatever. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah, not even Dark Friends. It's, like, Shadow Spawn and to preserve your own life. Yeah. And uh, Egwene just, like, goes bat crazy on it. And <laughs> bat guano, I think, yeah. is the bat word you're guano. looking for. And, uh, yeah. So it brings up an interesting. Uh, interesting I don't know what word I'm looking for just scenario with with the girls that are not Aes Sedai yet and they're not beholden to these three oaths and and, and it was uh, I didn't think a whole lot about that until her dream sequence and I'm jumping ahead here so pardon me mm-hmm. but her um, Turangriel dream sequence mm-hmm. right I think it's the third vision when Rand is about to uh, get gentled and she's the Omerlin seat and it's some sort of vision of like what could be or what's in the future. And she's like, I by the way, the rod. I never held the oath rod. And right. Neener, neener. neener. <laughs> <laughs> I can cast all kinds of spells on you. <laughs> so. um, if I were seven, I would have followed that up with a little rhyme. <laughs> Uh, she's that's awesome. That is now going to be what reads in my head at so many moments in this story. <laughs> neener, 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 neener. I can do this, neener, neener. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it, I, I don't remember. I probably got to that point in the books where I should know if that's a foretelling of the future, but I don't remember because it's been a while. So I'm interested to see. Uh, does she ever take the oath rod, and and is she going to be like? just exploding white cloak heads in like book 11 or whatever. So I'm very curious to see knowing that the Aes Sedai are going to have, I mean, it, when they have to battle shadow spawn, it's not a question, but right. at some point in time, the oaths are going to be a friction point. Yeah. They're uh, going to have to, they're going to have to fight people soon. One of my questions later, has anyway. been how, um, the Shan Chan get around that. And I'm sorry, I'm dipping back into book two, but with the, uh, the, the, the Idom with the Idom, uh, they hold these women prisoner and make them do things with the power. Well, their oaths, and, and there's, yeah, the oaths won't let them tell a lie and they won't let them attack certain people, but there are these, what, what do they call these, the captive women? You mean the actual, the like, Demani that, Demani that were previously Aes Sedai? The Demani that were previously okay. Aes Sedai. Like, are, are they going to be able to make them attack ships and blow people up and all that stuff? Uh, I don't know. I'll be, I'd be interested to see uh, what what does an oath on the oath rod actually mean? Does it like keep you from doing something until such time as this other power cranks itself up to 11 and, and makes you break that oath? I'll be interested to see. I think I have an answer to it, but it's from a, a couple books ahead. So we'll but, yeah, we'll... just, yeah, you back off. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> get out. We all um, want certain spoilers here. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I don't want to get off Matt yet, though. Let's go back to Matt. Um, you guys really like Matt. I get the sense. Yes. I, I don't love eh, Matt. I don't know. Um, I, don't I'm, think... I'm, I, I don't know. Something about him. I, I Like I said in the intro, there's something appealing about his impish behavior, and it's a, a thing I think we all wish we could 
adopt at least for a while just to not care he does not care about consequences uh and it sounds like a lot of fun but it also makes for um somebody somebody i would not want to be around let alone follow and so yeah so it's hard for me to read him and i think that's what i dislike about matt so far i love that he's healed because i was just sick of him being sick and and so now that he's up and doing things, that's that's a fun story line to to explore. And I love you know that his whole lucky thing. That's kind of cool and stuff. But it, it just it it feels like a guy who hey I'm on my own for the first time. I'm gonna go out and I'm just gonna party and I'm gonna do whatever. And hey I'm lucky. Let's go make some money. You know he's I don't know he, he hasn't caught me yet. It's no. the, the thing I have about a feeling is, he will. But the, the thing about that specifically. Um, Matt is, Matt is, every character that we've read so far has their own feelings towards this destiny, for lack of a better term, right. that they've been given as a Taviran base. Um, and Matt wants nothing to do. I mean, he just wanted a better life. And once he discovered that there is a different type of life than the Two Rivers life, that's right. just what he wanted. They all have their love-hate relationship, and he just has a hate relationship. He well, wants to do his thing. He wants to be him. He wants to be, like, yes, he wants to do his own thing, he wants to... But the fact is, is when it does come down to it, he does the right thing. Like at the Stone of Tear. Well, yeah. Right. He goes like, ah, this is probably really stupid, but let's, you know, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens here. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to take these, you know, I've got these fireworks. I'm I'm not supposed to open them. I'm going to open them anyway. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Like things like that. I, I appreciate Matt that even for his desire to, do his own thing to not have to be part of this. You know, I just, I want to go gamble. I want to see the world. I want to do my own thing. He still grudgingly gets dragged back in and he goes. Well, it's not, the thing is it's, it's grudgingly until he goes, all right, I got to do it anyway. Then it's, then he's like the, I, my favorite moment with Matt is when he drops the, I don't care act. Uh, when he finds out that Lord Gabriel in Camelin is plotting to kill Elaine, he drops the whole thing about this doesn't matter. I just want to go my own way and do my own thing. And he says, no, I've got to go save Egwene and yeah. Elaine. And Elaine. I, yeah. I have a duty. See, and it's interesting because like the three boys all have their different senses of duty. And like Rand, obviously. Let's say duty as much <laughs> duty. as possible. <laughs> I was just thinking. Rand has, you know, the whole weight of the of the world on his shoulders or whatever. And he's he's got this duty to be the dragon reborn and whatever. The Shinar but, and saying but that he repeats. I really me. like oh, Matt yeah. because Matt doesn't care about the grander scheme of things like he it's almost like matt doesn't care if the world ends but he cares about individual people like he has those he has that like a more rooted sense of Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of duty or caring for like like you said he finds out that lord gabriel wants to kill elaine and he although he doesn't really like elaine he's not necessarily she's not necessarily his favorite person he cares about her and he cares about nynaeve and uh, he goes to rescue Egwene. You were looking for the name Egwene. Egwene. Well, I know you we, don't we can't care about, about names. Oh yes, we're going to call people out for names today. You know. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, no, Damn. but he goes to rescue Elaine, right? Not Egwene. Uh, well, because Gabriel says, and while you're at it, kill, yes. kill oh, the right. other that's wenches right. she's with. That's right. So he cares about Egwene, and he cares right. about Nynaeve, and he wants to protect them on a personal level, right. rather no, than. I get what you're saying. A worldview, yeah. but take it even a step further back than that. Like as much as he has the "I don't care" attitude, like there is something about him that cares uh, genuinely about a lot. Because 
uh, he's given the note by Elaine to give to the mother, and he says, "I promise you." Like his his word is his bond on this. Like I'm going to get it there. Yeah, right. Yeah, and some of that's just stubborn. Like, well, I'm gonna. Some of it's I'm gonna prove you wrong. But even taking that oath, even promising to do it, is is saying, look, I do what I'm what I say I'm going to do. I'm a, I'm a man of my word right. at least. And you just and don't I, tell me how to I, do it. You yeah. and I have talked about this on many previous casts where. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if that were a thing these days? Yeah. When people said, "I'm going to do this thing," right? And you can be flippant about it, but then if somebody looks you in the eye and says, "Are you actually going to do this?" and you give your word, what if that meant something these days? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. So yeah, I can admire that about him definitely. Yeah. And that, like I said, that's my favorite thing is like he's gonna do it. He just doesn't want you to tell him how to do it. So let him do it how he wants to do it. It will get done, but don't make him do it a certain way that you know, might he's got to have his own he's got to have his own way that might be one of the reasons why i identify with him so much like mm-hmm. you can tell me exactly the easiest way and the best way to do something but if you say i have to do it that way like my my heels go in and i'm like yeah i know you. right <laughs> <As> it, <laughs> talking talking about it this way makes me think i should like matt more than i do because a lot of those things are things that i believe you know but i just Maybe I'll come around. I, I have a feeling I will give come it a, around. Give on it a little him. more time. It'll we be got a little more obvious. More books. And exactly. <laughs> but but for right now, he just he irritates me, and, so, I, and I think it's the teenage nature of him. I so. want to talk a little bit about how Robert Jordan uses Matt in this book. I I find it very interesting that this is it's book three. This is one of our central characters, and this is our first introduction to Matt. He's been around for both of the first two books, uh, but in the first part of the story we get him from Rand's perspective and he just says kind of a a few throwaway lines and he's just kind of there then he picks up the dagger and he becomes something else and so we think we're kind of getting to know him but we know this isn't the real Matt and he's sick and blah 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 Uh, and then finally in this one he's freed from the dagger and Robert Jordan gets a chance to say here's a brand new character for you that's uh, that's ballsy I gotta say it's an interesting way to do things. On the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> the selective memory bit that Jordan uses for Matt is so frustrating. It, I think it would have been really good if, um, it, really effective if he had just had Matt experience things we'd seen already, like Camelin, for the first time. They, you know, he doesn't really have a memory of what happened. Oh, wow, that's an interesting thing to go back back to a place you know you've been but you don't remember and right. et cetera, et cetera. but then it, it comes up all the time where um it, jordan matt says matt has forgotten all, all sorts of stuff but then he has him remember really key pieces of information like oh yeah rand got into the palace oh yeah i remember just one thing from this last six months that i was completely <laughs> mentally comatose but i do remember rand saying there's that tree that he climbed over the wall with and like it's really convenient sometimes, and to I found myself. In. Oh gosh, <laughs> but and I mean that's that's fine as an answer, but it's not as a reader. It, it it's left in, me unsatisfied. It's, it's infuriating. But I, yes, I I get that. Um, thankfully, you know, within a you know fifteen hundred pages, two thousand pages, though, there's a reason for it. There's there is reasoning behind Matt's holes in his memory. Wait until book eleven. Well, <laughs> wait wait until book four. We'll go that All right. far. There's there's right, reasoning. I can do that. Uh, fine. I, could, I have, remember I that whole one. thing about the dusty old guy and the, and his prose. Yeah, just put it on the shelf for now. 
Sure, sure. (laughs) But I mean, I'm going to voice it now, partly because uh, I'll go back before we record the last couple podcasts. I'll go back and listen to these old ones and and say, oh, I used to think this and Mm -hmm. how interesting that I've totally changed my mind or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I have one more Matt thing. I, well, oh, do you have one? I have one as well. Can Good. we, while we're still on Matt, can we talk about how he totally opens up a can with a bow staff on Galad and Gowan? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That's someone actually contacted. I think it was on the Reddit, the piece that you did earlier. Yeah. You posted there. Someone made some comment about if you guys don't talk about the farmer with a staff taking down the. <laughs> I like never looked parallels. it up. Did anybody look it up? Just, oh I shoot! We can do it on the next podcast I, if we need to. I Wait, did what? look it up. I don't. I I would probably butcher it if okay. I try to pull it from memory. So let's let's stick, definitely talk about it, and we'll bring it, we'll bring it back in to the next uh, Dragon Reborn episode where we okay. can actually dive into it. But yeah, but I definitely looked it up. I just don't want to not do it justice because it's pretty cool. So okay, teaser. After the break. Um, wait until next episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, this. Let me just take a quick moment to say thank you. A big thank you to the Reddit listeners. Oh, well, yeah. I mean the Reddit readers, but thank you for listening and thank you for engaging. We really do read all of those and uh, we love getting those little tidbits. There are a lot that we get, whether through Reddit or Facebook. Um and there's a lot of info that people send our way. And so I apologize that I haven't gotten to that one yet. Don't worry. We will. Um, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for also giving whoever, us all this uh, stuff. whoever it was on Reddit or Facebook that called Ken out. Yeah. I was going to say some that of was, us love him more than others. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Random Redditor. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I got to find that. What was it? Like, yeah, I'm sure one of you guys got this. Maybe not Ken. Hey, and, and <laughs> FYI, random Reddit person. Yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what do you want to what do you want to talk about with that? Just should how we, cool it was. Just we, the punching. Should we go on with that or? with the bow staff? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I with, thought we were I thought we were waiting holding that. No, we're gonna we're gonna hold the uh, reference where it comes there's from. A, yeah, oh, there's okay. a reference. but let's talk about no, the I actual thought, scene. I just thought it was cool, but I also thought it was a little bit of a um, an insight into Matt's connection with being you know Taveran because here he is. Dude, bow staff, which I mean, he's shown those skills, you know, before when they were in Emmons Field and stuff, but really? to, a little bit. Oh, okay. Not not like I don't I just don't remember. It wasn't like a chapters long. But, I mean, it, it touched on. It's not his first time how he like he and his father yeah. were the ones that always like his father always won the quarter staff competition. Oh, yeah. okay. It, it, it even beat Tam and all that kind of it's stuff. It's not his first time with a staff basically. So, I mean, to watch him whip up on these two warders in training who you would have to think, I mean, they've been through warding school, you know, for months now. And and here he comes, you know, with his with and he's lucky too, so I mean you gotta give him a little bit to that. It was just it was a nice introduction to, hey, here's new and improved healed Matt. And I, I love the lesson. I don't remember the line um that the the instructor uses, but it's something like the the greatest swordsman in the world was defeated by a farmer with a stick or whatever. Yeah, and that's what Remember the reference. That. Yeah, Something that's what like the that. reference of the yeah, yeah. that our redditor yeah. said. But yeah, and I mean, how I great don't... is it that that teacher's name is like Hammer or something like that? It's just like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's sweet. It was also his dad's reference to him. You can turn the worst that comes your advantage. You can turn the worst that comes to your advantage if you only think. So I mean, but uh, and well, then he comes out and he kicks butt. So anyway, yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, That's all I had on that. I okay, so we'll we'll come back to the reference on that later. Uh, one more Matt point. Well, while we're still in that scene, I just want to talk about how cool it is that he, like the Tracond family, and their whole just uppity arrogance. Oh like, man, 
Gowan yeah. and Galad are like, oh yeah, you can't. This isn't even a fair fight, yeah. you know. And Gowan is at least nice about it, but he's still cocky. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Galad's nice. About or sorry, it, right? Ga- Ga- no, Gowan is nice about it, but he's cocky. Galad, uh-huh. Galad, is the guy who's like he does the right thing, but he's a dick. Yeah, right, for sure. And yeah. it, I mean, and, he kind of uh, comes off that way. And just how cool was it that their that their trainers like, all right, if you're not gonna do it, I'll put up the money. Like, yeah, sure. Which you're gonna get your butt kicked? Which one's the half brother? Uh, Galad. Galad, okay. the taller, most the handsome man in the world. The one, the one that does right at all cost like right. there is no matter who it hurts and Egwin finds him dreamy mm. i still love Egwin. <laughs> I, I hope you keep that through the whole series i'm going to because Egwin, because i'm just i anyway <laughs> we're not um, or switch to Egwini. i would accept that Egu- as well <laughs> Egwini. <laughs> Egwini. yeah matt point um okay so uh, this is just one of those moments where and i you guys know me by now i'm always looking for this sort of thing uh the the little tidbit the point that you can kind of take into your own life and absorb and make you uh, a more discerning person in this case. But when he is visited by Celine, Oh, right. That that's quite a, we, we Celine to scene on that one. Oh, nice. That's Swish. a, and, and if any of you are listening to this three years from now, you don't get that reference. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> uh, it's not even a thing. So she comes in and she is trying to, what get her get him to like join her or or serve her or spy for her whatever it was and he she starts spouting off he he accuses her of being a dark friend or or says you know for all i know you're a dark friend or something like that and she gets all defensive and and starts bad mouthing baalzaman's dark friends for believing in his promises he's promised them eternal life and wealth and happiness and everything that their hearts could desire and then she says, and here's a quote, um, remember your choices. Remember that there are many hands that would kill you. I alone guarantee you life and all you seek if you do as I say. This is right after she has said. Um, the ice you know, don't, I want to control the, you. No, she, well, that. Yeah. It's right after she said the dark friends are idiots because they believe that Baal Zaman is or whoever it is, Ishmael, mm-hmm. is going to give them all the things that mm-hmm. she's about to promise to him and he doesn't fall for it. And I love that moment. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a great little moment. Um, and it's just, it's one of those moments when it, because I'm more, I, I'm less of an emotional thinker and I'm more of a, a, a critical or, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Logical thinker. And so I, it's really simple for me to say, Oh no, that's crap. You just said, you know, nobody's going to be able to give these people those things. What, why would you be able to give me those things? That's bull crap. Um, but it, I feel like it kind of applies to life, especially today. We are recording this, uh, on a presidential inauguration day here in the U S and, uh, I don't care what you think about who is taking power and who's leaving power. They say and they promise a lot of the exact same things. And people fall into kind of an emotionally based tribal thinking. And it's That's a trap. It, it, it's valuable for you to step back and say, you know what? The last guy said that he was going to uh, stop the rising tide of the oceans and make everybody's life better and make us all 
uh, shinier and newer and earn more money and be happier. Chocolate milk in the water fountain. And like, and it's so easy for people to say, well, here's this new person and they're saying the exact same thing, but I like this person more for one reason or another. So I'm going to believe them. Like, don't fall into that trap. And that was, it was a moment when Matt is having that conversation with Celine where it was an illustration of that. Mm -hmm. And, and I hope that people catch things like that as they read this or, or other books. Anyway, end rant. Stick to your principles. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we hate principles here. Yeah, that's not true. What? All right. So uh, what, else, what else do you guys want to talk about? Any other characters? Let's stick with characters for now. Let's go to the, the prologue. Is, it, is there a character in it? Pedron, uh, Pedron Nile. And, oh, okay. Uh, and specifically his relationship with Ordeeth. Oh, right. Oh, oh my Ordeeth. gosh. That that's was right. Was that the prologue? My Boom, word, this gosh. is a long book. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, there's obviously white cloak activity. Pedro Nile is a fairly ambitious man. Um, yes, I've heard this. Yeah. He's kind of got <laughs> like. So what, what, okay, what, what's your point? Well, just, just that, you know, he you can see kind of behind the curtains of what he's planning for the white cloaks, what he wanted to happen in Falma and all that kind of stuff. And and then all of a sudden this guy, Ordeeth, shows up and. Mm-hmm. We don't really know who he is exactly, but we, but then we start to kind of figure out. Okay, this is Pat Unfane, right? Um, and he's behind the scenes with really interesting influence on one of probably one of the most powerful men in Randland, the Lord Captain Commander of the White Cloaks. So, I just wanted to pick your guys' brains and see what your thoughts on this scene and this, you know, what's going on with uh, with Ordeeth. And all of that pat and fane in the background. What what are you guys' thoughts? My first thought is uh, my love hate relationship with Ordeeth is that um, I yeah, I have a feeling that he is going to be the um, if you remember back to the very first prologue, there was like there was the one character that stood over Luce there in Telamon and said you know made him sane long enough to see what he had done and really his nemesis the whole way through. And I feel like Ordeeth is kind of becoming is supposed to be that for Rand. Um, and so when we get towards the end, there's going to be a showdown between Ordeeth and, or, you know. what What's his name? Pot on Fane. Pot on Fane. Pot on Fane. Pot on Fane. Um, and there's the fact that he is able to manipulate the White Cloaks. Um, I don't know. He's, he's, that, he's that odd piece on the chessboard that your brother created and put out there that can make three steps to the right and then a J shape here and just screw with everything you're doing. Cause that seems to be what he's like in a very beautiful, so, you know, subtle way. Um, he's just, he's controlling all these pieces just by being there and, and tweaking things. And I, I love that sort of character, but uh, I, I still just, wish just, that I knew something more about him because it is really cool that he's able to do that stuff. But the the most we've gotten was I think it was like at the end of book two or or something or maybe the the beginning of book two when Moraine says, uh, "Yeah, he's a dark friend, but he's worse than a dark friend. Some something is going on with this guy," and that's all we know. And so it's hard for me when I read a passage like that to care. Uh, because I don't know what his motivations are. I don't know what his condition is. I don't know what his loyalties are. I don't know what his objectives are. Uh, and so it's hard for me to say, oh, wow, that's, you know, how cool that he's able to to move all these pieces on the chessboard. Um, 
because I don't know those things. Does that make any sense? Or even mm-hmm. if I knew some of those things or just a piece yeah. of all those things. That it's the same attitude I have almost toward the white cloaks right now also in the sense that they show up for a prologue or they show up for a chapter or two or mm-hmm. they show up to the battle and then they just sit and watch. The, through three books, they haven't done anything yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they attacked Perrin and now um, uh, uh, Child Buyer has this, this, this grudge vendetta against Perrin. And that's all we've got so far. I'm mm-hmm. just like, come on, do something already. And well, that's part of their, I mean, that's part of their whole eth- eth- ethos. Eth- yeah. yeah. Ethos is the right phrasing here sure. looking for. Yeah. Uh, is the fact that because they are not a nation, because they're just a group, they don't really have the authority unless it's given to them by the rulers to do anything. So they just kind of right. sit there annoyingly until people either come to their way of thinking or they've caused enough problems in there to overturn uh, right, a group and do and do that. So you're not gonna. I don't think you're going to see the white cloaks at any time. Be like, at least not in the near future. All of a sudden, march on somewhere and say we're gonna we're gonna invade here because that's not their style. Their style is, hi, we're we're that special police force you didn't ask for that uses very very inappropriate methods of getting things done. Um, they still have questioners though. When and, uh, the white cloaks, whenever the white cloaks come up, I think he is Jordan. I mean, deliberately in uh, evoking the popular image of the Catholic inquisition. Yeah. From the, the middle Shepherd's ages. Crook of the right. Or something. And, right. and I just want to point out um, if I know that a lot of people who are listening to this and who get really involved on the Reddit, uh, sub are probably already aware of this because you look up all sorts of stuff because you love these books like we do but um, this is it is not this is not how the Catholic Inquisition went not at all it's it is definitely how popular culture has portrayed it since then but um, I learned a little bit about it a few years ago and I, I looked up some more details to prepare for this just because I knew that it would come up with the white cloaks but um uh, yeah, the even the the wretched Spanish Inquisition, uh, you know, of, of infamy, wasn't they? They didn't act this way per se. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so if I, I I can give you five minutes on it, or mm-hmm. you you guys can just all go look it up if you want. But suffice I, it to say, I, I just want to know. I, you're just saying that it's different. Like, don't compare the two, or are you trying to say that like? Well, one is worse than the other. Yeah. Better? So what I'm trying to say is that that if you if you said, oh, the white cloaks are just like the uh, Catholic Inquisition in the Middle Ages, you'd be led to believe that the Catholic Inquisition meant a bunch of people in cloaks wandering from town to town and just hanging people at random or you know whoever they wanted to by accusing them of blasphemy or whatever uh, whatever made up thing that they could find, right? Mm-hmm. And that is kind of the popular conception, but the all the worst atrocities attributed to inquisitions were actually state sponsored in the middle ages and so like the the spanish inquisition was actually set up by ferdinand and isabella and they it was meant to go after the jews specifically and chase them out of spain like a convert or die situation Uh, and the catholics the actual roman church Whenever they caught wind of something like this happening, they would send the actual Catholic Inquisition to restore order and stop the insanity and stop the killings and stop the 
uh, injustices that were going on. Now they weren't perfect, and you know they, I'm sure <laughs> people will send me links like, oh look at what the Catholic Inquisition did. But I have been in medieval times. I have seen that. The, the <laughs> but generally room. speaking, it's it's really interesting that where the state uh, held sway and where the state had an inquisition, that was where um, chaos reigned. And then when the actual church stepped in, they restored order and stopped the wanton killing, if that makes sense. So, and, anyway, that's the, so and that's so the idea behind the white cloaks. They just don't do it. Exactly, exactly. What yeah. you're saying is um, no one ever expects the children of the lights inquisition. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to go back to Ryan's point about, you know, just the white cloaks in general where they're this, poli- you know, this world police force that actually don't have a nation. Well, that's what Pedro Nile, I think, is trying to change in this prologue. We see some of his plans. So and yeah, he, you're going to have to remind me because I don't remember. He wants to have, I can't, I mean, I, uh, I can't remember the nations off the top of my head, but basically it was. Uh, there's Amadicia. I remember that's a name. Yeah. But basically it was the whole point of them being in Falma and, and all of that down there was to be able to capitalize on how unstable it was so that they could, uh, he could essentially sweep like two or three nations and, and come in and like save them. And, and he's kind of trying to place himself as ruler over these nations. And, and I, like I said, I, I apologize for not having the exact quote yeah, here, that's fine. but uh, he's tr- almost trying to remedy what Ryan brought up about. We don't have a nation. We are just kind of this overall police force, but we should. And I think that he sees himself as, like this Arter Hawkwing type that he wants to take this white cloak force and take over the entirety of Randland under the light. Um, but then going back to Ordith, and I think it's super important to remember that he's no longer Pat and Fane. He is Pat and Fane, but he has had so many things done to him that he is this like split personality person with all of these different things tearing at him. He is essentially the dark one's hound after Rand and to a lesser extent, the other two Taviran. He's been, you know, taken to Shale Ghoul and, and basically and things have been out. and gollumed yeah. out. So he is, he is Gollum. I mean, that's the equivalent in Lord of the Rings. But then isn't, doesn't he also get um, the influence of what the Shadow, Shadow Logoth? So he, he also has which, that, which isn't a dark by one. that dagger. What's that? Both he and Matt are bound by the dagger. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's important to remember that um, those two evils don't like each other. Like they <clears throat> will battle each other just as much as the light battles the dark and whatever. Okay. So um, he's got that going on inside of him. And then when he was following them through the ways, he also ran into the black wind. So he's got this third kind of thing going on right. inside of it. Oh my right? gosh, I forgot about that. And so there's there's multiple things going on with Pat on Fane. And uh Rand's side is very important uh, his wound in his side is important to remember as well cuz right. he has the wound from Balsamon, right? Right. But then he also was cut Wait, which one's that? The the wound in his side. The wound in his side. Okay. Yeah, that, when he sheathed right. the sword in the last right. Yes. Okay. Right. So he's got that kind of Dark One's taint, whatever going on in there. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> and, it's getting old. Yeah, and uh, Pat and Fane cut him in that wound as well that can't be healed. So there's uh... Rand has 
essentially himself. And then he's got some sort of dark ones evil going on, both when he tries to channel Sidene and then also within his wound in his side. And then he's got the taint of Shadar Logoth that he's carrying in his side as well. Um, oh, jeez. So, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, and so here's the here's the thing that's going on with Pat Unfane. He's still he still feels those urges from the Dark One to to hunt down Randall Thor and, and his yeah. friends. But he also is part Shadar Logoth, so he hates the Dark One. So he doesn't want to be the dark one's hound anymore. And there's so much going on with him. That's why I wanted to bring, bring in Ordeeth. And and the whole thing that Mordeth did when, you know, when they talk about air and and the, and the changing, whoa, whoa, what? Shadar Logoth. Shadar Logoth. Okay. Okay. Shadar Logoth is air It's it's been a little while. Yeah. Shadar Logoth, which used to be called air before it went all Shadar Logoth. The originally, uh, you know, it was prescription drug. (laughs) (laughs) It was this guy, Mordeth that, really created this type of evil. Right, okay. And he was the one, but basically what he would do is he would leech on to... Dick Cheney? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I'm, t- I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> he kidding. would leech on to the ruler of whatever, whatever city or nation or whatever. And now he's, I don't want to say reincarnated, but reborn within Pat Unfane because he's of the dagger and everything. He's doing this with Pedro Nile now. So there's so many things going on with Ordeeth that's why I wanted to bring us back to the prologue and say, like, hey, I know that this was kind of a weird scene. It doesn't really sometimes feel like it's necessarily part of the overall, like, yeah, adventure or whatever. But don't forget about this guy. Yeah. I guess after Which the, we totally did. the original prologue in book one with all that uh, loose there and stuff. After that, I'm just like, you know what? He's going to bring up all sorts of crap that I won't get closure on until book 14 mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Go on with your bad self. So yeah, so. sorry. That I'll, I'll uh, get off my soapbox. No, about that's good though. Because Ordeath. like I said, I, I I didn't catch a lot of that stuff about Ranside or especially about Ordeath. And so There's, I, I mean, we're... It's good to know. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're coming to the end of this this trilogy section here where this is about the end of... Isn't this where he planned on ending the series originally when he started writing it? I don't know. But that would be... I mean, it makes sense to be that Kyle is shaking his head yes. So, I mean, this this is a completion piece here. Um, but some of these characters, like, you know, like Ordeeth or whatever, um, I think... I don't know. I feel like we're... we're gonna, we have so many to remember of these secondary characters, and we're going to get more that it's hard to keep up with something like this and remember those things. Yeah. So when they come back into play later, it might take you a while to go, wait a minute, what? Oh, yes, yes, you, you're... Wow, it's been two books. What have you been up to, man? Like, <laughs> not sure what's going on here. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up here on the podcast because I feel like every, every reader is going to get, you know, Matt's story arc and what's going on with Matt and what's going on with Rand and, and all the main, like, the main adventure story. But... Some of the the underneath goings on is what makes the Wheel of Time so great and so rereadable, um, and you can't possibly expect to get it all in one read or even two or three. Um, so, just pointing out some of the things that are easily missed in first reads to maybe pay a little bit of attention to. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the other thing that comes out of the prologue is Jeffrey Bornhold's kid. Who still yeah. ha- holds his grudge for Dane. Perrin? Dane Bornhold. Dane, yeah. thank you, Dane Bornhold. Who who shows up? Isn't he the one that shows up 
with the with the white cloaks as the as the what would you call them the Lord. The Lord Captain Commander? No, well, the, the women, the girls. Oh, the Wonder Girls? The Wonder Girls, thank you. They show <laughs> they show up at Tarvalin and, and uh, Bornhold's there with the white cloaks and stuff. And But it, oh, so, I mean, right. it's, it's going to come, he's going to come around again. Mm-hmm. I have a hard know. time, I'll admit, I have a hard time keeping the white cloaks as to which one's which. Uh, so, Bayar is the one whose father was killed at Falma. The only two I remember are... Bornhold's no, father. No, Bornhold's father. Bayar is the one that was super loyal to his dad, and now he's gone over to Dane Bornhold, but, the son. Yeah. Bayar like is... Bayar's the right-hand man who um, hates Perrin. Mm-hmm. And now Bornhold does, too. Dane Bornhold does, too, because he thinks that Perrin, Perrin killed his, his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Those I, are the I, only ones I, I actually like the white cloaks are the White Cloaks are the villains for Perrin. Like they the, are. Perrin's definitely. story is, is dealing with the White Cloaks. Yeah. And yeah, pretty much. Rand is dealing with the Dark One, and we don't know who Matt's villains are yet, but he's, I'm sure he's going to get some villains to deal with. Like, each one has their own large group that really only has to deal with them. Matt's vices, or my, Matt's enemies are coin and liquor. And the women. Apparently yeah. not. He <laughs> always wins. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's Matt's luck. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I'm still working on how I feel about Matt's luck as a story device. I usually have a problem we'll with it because it's one of those that's, Awfully convenient. It's a get-out-of-jail-free yeah. card for an author Yep. in, in a lot of ways. Um, or at least it can be. We'll see what maybe, all he does with it. Well, maybe something comes up to reverse his luck. You know, we got 11 books still. That's right. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, we got a few more minutes on this one. Uh, other characters you guys want to talk about? Um, we've gone over a I little bit. I know who you don't want to talk about, but we should because he's a large portion of this book. Perrin. Perrin. Uh, oh no, we just should. Looking at we him. did. Yeah, just because I just because I hate the guy doesn't mean I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about how much I hate him. <laughs> I would love that. Thank, his, thanks, thank you for the opportunity. Although You're his welcome. fight with the Murdral, at the Murdral at the very beginning, that was graphic yeah. and awesome. I don't yeah. remember a lot of it, but I remember I have a note here saying Perrin fight with the Murdral, graphic and awesome. Can we please <laughs> stop whining about him being a wolf? Wolves are awesome. I, I would awesome. I would love to stop whining about that. Oh my gosh! I think the which fit, thankfully he does. You know, once he starts entering Dream World with we've Hopper. already we've already talked about it. Uh, I think in the first podcast or maybe the second that um, all of our characters. One of the things that Robert Jordan wanted to do was he didn't want characters that were looking to go out on adventure. He wanted these are farm people who didn't want don't necessarily enjoy the idea. These of These are hobbits going out. Yeah, and so. It's just the, the 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 fact of the matter is is that if you were writing this series here, I would have liked to have seen it disappear a little earlier. But at least all of them at some point in time own their their issue, their new their new thing. Rand in this story is yeah. going to be like, okay, you know what? Let's prove I'm the Dragon Reborn to myself to everyone or not. else. You know, or not. Let's let's get some closure here. Perrin's kind of you know he finally gets around to the point of being like, okay, I can talk to wolves. They're there. This is a part of me now. I can deal with it. And, you know, Matt eventually, I'm sure, will come to some conclusion of something. <laughs> <laughs> some conclusion of, fine, I'm tied in. Of, of just deciding that they're, you know, instead of fighting it, I'll just be a part of it. Uh, they'll all they'll all give, they'll all have that change. Um, I think Perrin, I don't know, I haven't had as big of an issue with Perrin as, ever, as it seems like you guys all have. I, I, I get the frustration of, like, with him being like, 
I don't want to be a wolf. That's, I want to yeah. be a man. That's, I started to have an issue with him, but as that dissipated as the book went along, I, I lost that issue. Perrin is the character that I've wanted to like the most, mainly because he's you know my type of character, the, the kind that I gravitate toward in books, you know, and the hard scrabble, he's you know tough, he's matter of fact, he likes wolves, that's awesome, you know. But he doesn't like Perrin wolves. Perrin is very, very hit or miss for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, he is so badass in certain situations that it's just like, wow. Um, when he finally like just kind of forgets. You're so eloquent, Kyle. Right? When he forgets about worrying about the wolves and he either, you know, uses them to his advantage in some sort of battle or when he's like doing the whole sniffer thing from the great hunt or whatever. Yeah. Um, right. But then when we do actually get into his like mindset of whining about wolves, whatever. But one of the most fascinating things to me about the whole wolf thing is the wolf dream. And uh, we talked about dreams a little bit earlier in the episode. Um, I'll bring it back just a little bit. One of my favorite things is how all of the characters see each other in this dream. You know, Rand Rand shows up in the dream world, Egwene, Perrin. And uh, Egwene actually was talking about, I'll pull a quote real quick when she's dreaming and, and she says something about how Anaya Sedai, when she was training in the tower and they were trying to talk to her about being a dreamer, um, said that dreams about Taviran were almost always significant and the more strongly Taviran, the more almost always became certainly. And then she talks about, but Matt and Perrin were Taviran too. And she had also dreamed of them. Odd dreams, even more difficult to understand than the dreams of Rand. Perrin with a falcon on his shoulder and Perrin with a hawk. Only the hawk held a leash in her talons. Um, that was, and the hawk was trying to fasten it around Perrin's neck. And then she talks about, oh, Perrin has a beard. What? And like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) bring it back down to earth. But yeah, so like, (laughs) Perrin with the hawk and the falcon. Um, Okay, well, that brings up another thing to hate about Perrin. Yeah, and that's Fael. Oh, that was my segue. I hate her. Um, So I, I am not sold that she is the falcon from that dream. Because of the way she's treating Perrin right now, I hate her so much. Yeah. <laughs> she, the, the, the way that, by the way, you guys, sorry to tell you this, but Kyle and I talk about this stuff a lot at work, and I know how much he hates Egwene. Take take that hatred and crank it up to the temperature of a thousand burning suns, <laughs> and that's how much I hate Fael. Uh, I... Yeah, and so anyway, she because what I see her doing is that you know take, tying a noose around or whatever a leash around uh, his neck, and so it makes me wonder because her name keeps changing; it's changing all the time. And so is she going to end up being the Falcon? Is she going to end up being the whatever that I don't care the Hawk? That's what it was. No, I think that's going to be Berlane. Oh, is that uh, whatever? Yeah, that's Berlane. That was my thought too. Because, because it, it, isn't it like the last chapter or something like that? Berlane first of Maine, Maine whatever. Maine. And, and they reference to her just something like in passing of being the hawk, or it means hawk, or something like that. And all of a sudden, it's like, there's the hawk. We've seen the falcon yeah. for okay. a dozen chapters, and I hate her, but there's the hawk. Right I, there, I feel so. like. You- that's too. So, uh, it's one of those things that it's too obvious to be a misdirect on this. Yes. One. Yeah, like maybe. So maybe she's the, I, I feel like triangle. she's the Falcon. That's fine. Berylaine, I agree. Berylaine, I believe, is the Hawk. Um, 
I can can we just agree though that Fael is awful? Oh, she's awful. She's a terrible human being. Yes. And what I don't yes. like about Fael isn't necessarily like she's awful, but I don't like the way that she's written because and we talked about this, I can't remember which episode it was. I really despise the fact that certain uh authors or within pop culture think that like making a strong female character Means, means making her a bitch. Me, yeah, means that she has to browbeat everybody, you know, and like yeah. where honestly my favorite female character is probably Landfear in this whole series because she doesn't necessarily go and like force her will on people. I mean, she does in a certain extent, but she's very more she's more manipulative, which whatever. But uh just because Fail is so brazen about things yeah. doesn't make her a strong female character. She's actually quite flawed. It's also the big problem with Nynaeve. She suffers from that same thing. Yeah, yeah, we're, you're surly. You've got attitude. Oh, that must mean you're tough. We get it. You've got a chip on your shoulder. <laughs> Tell us how you feel. That's I already I told you how I feel. <laughs> I hate how she treats Perrin, but I don't have a problem with her personally. Um, yeah, I, I maybe that's kind of along my lines. Like, be be whoever you want to be. I don't it just mm-hmm. don't treat other people that way. And and it might it's even driving be, me crazy. It might even be that I don't even it doesn't even bother me how she treats Perrin necessarily as much as Perrin's reaction to the way that she treats him. Like he doesn't stand up for himself for a long time. Right. And he just like right. lets her do whatever he, whatever she wants and I'm just like dude, the whole yeah, I I might be skipping ahead, so I'll I'll stop there. But well, there's mean, some interesting. We can yeah. talk about the thing is though in this one. Uh, so you said Perrin is pretty much useless in this story, especially at the end, at the climax. <laughs> well. Matt does his thing, Ren does his thing. Why is Perrin useless? Because he's chasing Fael. Right. Yeah. You know, he's using the Wolf Dream and Teleron Rio to 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 go chase her to chase Fael down to save her. Uh, which for me is a I love that sequence actually because it's it's parents committed to something it's his moment of of focus on and and growth there to say this is something that I care about uh, enough that to veer and be damned I'm taking care of this right um, and he's the really the only one of the three who kind of gets to do that um, but I I don't know there I feel like this was a kind of a a misstep relationship one of those relationships where they just kind of argue at each other the whole time until they both realize that they're desperately in love with one another and they turn and you know they have that argument until they it's they so, Han and so Leia. rom-com I Han had and that Leia. problem too <laughs> Robert What's Jordan that? does Han and Leia oh there you go he, I, <laughs> Robert Jordan doesn't write romance very well and this is coming from me I know I'm Mr. Romance on this show but <laughs> yes <laughs> but I just between Nynaeve and Lan and Fael and Perrin I'm just like these relationships don't work for me at all the way they get into them it's just like yeah, all of a sudden uh, it's like boom there you go i okay, yeah let's, i think let's you, keep track of that see woo, if that changes i think you could write <laughs> you could write a, a thesis on the romance of wheel of time and it would basically just be like, a page they, it would not be very it, long it would be pretty the, much it every time they just when he writes this anytime he tries to write from one of the female perspectives about the males like it's it's very shallow yeah um Every time they look at Galad, he's just so gorgeous. He's beautiful. My my knees are weak or everything. And like I get it. He's yeah. a beautiful guy. It's, it's when even when they like think about other characters, talking about any of the perspective of the other characters, 
it's generally just about how beautiful they are or how whatever you know along yeah. those lines there's very little depth to the romance um or it's just it's naive going that stupid man i'm gonna make him marry me exactly i'm gonna make a warder dance yeah it so there, there's my problem i don't have a problem with romance in novels i have a problem with bad romance in novels I, and I, what, I heard, was, my text. what I heard was i heard that ken does not have a problem with romance novels and so romance i know in novels i know what your birthday present's gonna be <laughs> <sighs> awesome i love fabio <laughs> Uh, okay, I've got a million other things. Should we talk about a million other things? Um, yes. Do you guys have some more stuff? How about Elida? Uh, she pops up real quick. Uh, she's in Tarvalin and she confronts Min, I want to yes. say. Yes. Uh, and there's there's this whole exchange. And I, I love what Jordan is doing with Elida because he's giving a little bit of color to and nuance to the good guy side uh there's and so you're left to wonder because elida is so horrible she's such (laughs) an awful awful person she must be a dark friend boy if they're looking for the black aja i know where you can start because i hate her well yeah because Um, she's she's but then but then he he turns it around and, and makes it so that yeah she you know maybe naturally speaking she's not a very personable uh gal and we wish that she would be nicer, but it, she says something or she maybe she just thinks it where she says, I have spent my entire life after this one vision that I had making sure that the Trakan family, the, the ruling family of Andor is safe and ready for the last battle because I know that they're going to be integral. And I can't believe all these people are just messing with all my plans. I am trying really hard to fight the Dark One. <laughs> I, and I loved that bit because it really turned it around for me. And, and I mean, it's like, okay, I don't like you now, but I sympathize with you a little bit more. And I appreciate that you're trying to do the right thing, even if there are words that I want to use about you that I'm not allowed to, uh, because this is a family show. Rhymes with twitchy. Well, okay, there's one. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... Um, does that make sense? Yeah. I, I love her sequence. And maybe that's all there is to say on her at the moment. I don't know. I think it could also be Jordan. Because she was, we got her in, uh, was it Great Hunt? Or oh, I we got the, her in Eye of, Eye of the, the World. World. She keeps popping up here and there. Like she's, she's not even like a secondary character. She's like a tertiary yeah. character. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she keeps coming up means that I think that she's going to take the elevator up to the next level here at some point in time. Mm, yeah. And that's going to be um, well. Her her presence also introduces something else, and that's the fact that um, sh- they uh, what's where is where's Elaine from? Camon. Um, Camon. Thank you. Uh, th- has no Sedai influence now. The the throne. Her mom has. Or does it? Uh, it it does Gabriel. Dun, because dun, she's dun. got she she's totally. I mean, gone full Rohan mm. there, and you know, got little what's his name chirping in her ear, and now she's possessed by something. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I want to talk about Elida really quick about how Elida and and the parallels between her and Moraine. Mm, yeah, um, because her motive, Elida's entire motivations is based off of her foretelling of knowing that House Trakond is going to be integral for the last battle. She wants to, you know, make sure that they're ready for the last battle. Well, Moraine is doing the exact same thing. 
because she had heard, you know, the foretelling of the dragon is reborn or whatever. So she and Swan Sanche are doing the same thing that Elida is doing. But Elida is all upon meddling with, with what's going on with Swan and, and Moraine. And she's trying to figure out what are they up to? What are they doing? And uh, it's really interesting to see that the the parallels between the two, because you want to look at it and say, Moraine, good. Elida, bad, but they're doing the same thing. And if, if they would sit down and talk to each other and have some sort of transparent conversation, it would be like, oh, shit. like we need this dragon reborn foretelling and this Camelin foretelling to work like, together to work together. And and then we could move forward. <laughs> Don't worry, I got you beat. <laughs> Not even a problem. Every, every, you guys should. Uh, I'm talking to the listeners now. You guys should have seen Ken and Ryan's. Their their head just swill right. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh no! I apologize. When I look at Craig and talk we to him, I want to. I want to <laughs> talk how Craig and I actually talk at work. Uh, I. And, uh, this we man all want to swear at Craig too. It's I, a, I admit it. No, I admit to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Mom. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> no, it's not, it does not matter. Uh, okay, my mouth doesn't make such noises. We're we're coming up on the end. We've already passed the hour mark. Um, other, let's see, what other characters? Because I'm just going to make this the character episode. Then we can get all to all the other stuff later. Um, oh, the only other one? No, two more. Nynaeve. I don't care about Nynaeve, and and it's weird because I remember on my last read through when I got to like book ten or something, I was like, I love Nynaeve, she's great, I I love her character's journey, and right now I'm just like, what did I see in that woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I she fades she back is, a little a little bit for these books. Too. Okay, so she so. is just surprisingly mundane right mm-hmm. now. It, mm-hmm. She's a single note all the time. All she cares about is marrying Lan. And that's where we are with her. So I, I need her to pick it up. Mar- marrying Lan and, and putting the screws to Moraine. That's but there is an interesting about. thing going on with Nynaeve and, and Egwene. And Egwene just oh, that's true. being just terribly awful to Nynaeve for, yeah. for no reason, really. I mean, Nynaeve's pushy and whatever, but Egwene is just like being pretty childish about She's it. She's a petulant yeah. child, and I, and I'm, younger sister, yeah. Is it this it's this book where when they're like, on the ship and and, and Egwene or uh, Elaine, Elaine slaps yeah, her. Elaine just hauls I off and so. slaps Egwene because <laughs> Egwene has gone too far with whatever she's saying to yep. Nynaeve. And I just I wanted I've never wanted to high five a fictional character more than <laughs> Elaine in that moment. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I've never wanted to high five somebody's face as hard as Elaine <laughs> oh high five that face. I put in my notes Egwene and Nynaeve so catty. Oh yeah, oh, they're just there just. <laughs> Uh, okay, hard that's to true. enjoy. Hard to enjoy at that moment. Um, I I do like that. It, so Egwene is being a petulant child, but I do like that she has a little bit of growth in this book, and she's becoming more of a big picture person. I'm thinking more at the beginning of the book when they're trying to get Matt to Tarvalin, and and they get stopped by the white cloaks, and she's thinking to herself, "Oh, we, Matt can't afford these delays." But more importantly, she thinks we can't let the Horn of Valier fall into white cloak hands. Uh, yeah. And it's it, so it's interesting to see her turn from just a simple little farm girl to understanding the gravity of the entire situation. So it's kind of the opposite of what you're talking about with Matt. Was it, I don't remember if it was Ryan or, or you, Kyle, but uh, but Matt, what, his redeeming quality is that he cares more about the people in his life and and less about you know the the, the last battle or whatever. Egwene is kind of the opposite, and I 
uh, I guess it just comes down to personal preference. I like that about her. She is thinking about the big picture. Anyway, uh, speaking of white cloaks, though, Galad drinking with white cloaks. Interested to see where that goes. Uh, uh, yeah. But nowhere yet. <laughs> uh, all right. Is, is that it? Do you want to uh, spend any time talking about Rand? <sighs> uh, well, I guess I, when I think of Rand, like we don't get a lot of character insight into Rand, and so that's why I didn't get to him. I think here. we get we get one thing, and I th- and I think that it's a problem. What's that? Um, during the any time that you get to see him in the chase sequence, like he seems genuinely nuts. Yeah, he's malfunctioning. Like, right. he, like people talk about this is the beginning of his descent into madness. No, what the way he's written in this, he's legitimately nuts. The paranoia, the freaking out, the killing of, you know, basically anything that's in his path. Well, but, and the, you know. the his his power is leaking basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's if you were going to end the series, like you you know, not go any further, he's got to be on the edge there. The problem is the series does continue on, and so so, so he's gonna get healed. <laughs> he's he's got to either come back from being that crazy or you if you mm-hmm. write him less crazy just going forward then all of a sudden mm-hmm. was it just the stress of going to go get calendar is that what made him right. nuts because i i i was reading that going he is too crazy for there to be 14 books and him not go over mm-hmm. the deep end too or like in the next yeah, three yeah and it was definitely written i think with the end in mind before you know the contract got picked up for a longer series and so that's exactly what the contract read too. A longer, a longer, series. Series. A longer series. Just do what you want, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think that's a great point because when you do get those glimpses into into him, you're just like, what is going on? And 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 to a certain extent, you know, Matt is right. Like he's crazy. <laughs> or yeah. or um, at least he appears that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I wonder too if going like. I don't know. Going, Say going, words. going back through it, if Robert Jordan is trying to like gradually bring him out, like is it something that Rand can slowly come overcome by himself, or is it something that he has to be healed? Um, I know because I've read through it, but just ah, speculating, crap. speculating through it as a first time reader, I remember thinking like, wait a minute, there are a million more books to be had, and like Ryan to Ryan's point, this dude is off the wall already. As, so. As the guy who's read this for the first time and hasn't read any farther, it it feels like it corrects at the end to me when he grabs the sword and it's like, oh, and now everything is put in its place. Stabbing someone makes and you now, as crazy. <laughs> well, I can attest to Jordan that. got the uh, new it contractor does, on does page for 600. <laughs> it does <laughs> for me, but he, he gets Calendor and it's like it's like the, the, uh, the um, magic sword kind of puts everything back into place. It's like, okay, now I feel better and it mm-hmm. fixes all the crazy that's been going on through the entire book maybe not completely but at least for this book it resolves to me well, and i don't I th- know if yeah and i think i, I think it's interesting too because i think rand's motivations of for going to the stone of tear in the first place he doesn't want to pull Kalandor from the store from the stone he doesn't want to do that his whole idea is i'm tired of being you know dangled on ice at ice strings i'm tired of people forcing me to do stuff I don't, I'm not the dragon reborn. You know, I can channel, I'm whatever. He is going to the stone of tear to die. He's going to make the prof or to either to prove for, it wrong. Yeah. To prove it wrong. He, he doesn't think that he's actually going to fulfill this prophecy prophecy. And you got to think that's got to, that's got to play with your psyche a little bit. Like, and so, and so I'm preparing maybe to go and, and 
kill myself. Maybe basically. that correction that Ken's talking about comes when it actually he, works. He oh, accepts, crap, it worked. Yeah, oh, he no. accepts that, okay, because a lot of people think, okay, he accepts that he's the Dragon Reborn, and so then he decides to leave you know, the camp or whatever and go to Tyr on his own. But no, this is a proving proving it to himself but as much as anyone else yeah but but i think from his mindset it's i am not and so when he actually takes hold of kalandor and like oh crap i am yeah like then he can kind of like accept the fact and not be quite as yeah maniacal that's what i mean by what i'm what i'm saying the same thing when it it all corrects it it all comes back to him and he's like oh suddenly i'm lucid you know yeah absolutely yeah uh, I'm, just, I'm snapping a picture because when Kyle is talking into his microphone, I can't see his beard, only his mustache, and he looks like a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, okay, so there's a ton more to talk about. We haven't gotten to the reference from Reddit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't gotten to uh, Rand's wanton killing. We haven't gotten to um, all sorts of Arthurian stuff. We didn't really go through. I mean, we we mentioned the uh, Terangriel. You know, Egwene becomes accepted. Oh, Elaine, right, Elaine right, right. becomes accepted. So we've we've gone through um, a lot of of characters, but I think there's about the Aiel. plenty of. I think there's plenty of events the to Aiel. go back through. So yes, uh, let that be a little tease for you. We'll come back uh, for the next episode and do more Dragon Reborn stuff and get to more of this. By the way. I will announce this at the beginning of the next episode so even more people hear. But if you actually made it through an entire hour and something of this, just know we have a big giveaway opportunity coming up. Um, I got my hands on a whole bunch of stuff and I want to give it away, uh, including two um, uh, hardbacks of book 14. Um, I got, I, ooh, I got the Wheel of Time adult coloring book. Ooh. which I think is pretty cool. I think there's one or two other things over there. I'll go back and take a look. But uh, we are 14 signed by the legendary and podcast crew. Um, we, <laughs> we will. Since we wrote it and all. We will devalue your book for you <laughs> if you so desire. Only uh, Craig's copy of it. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, if you'll listen in, I'll announce the rules and everything. That, that'll be coming up on the next one. So look forward to that. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back with part two of our um what's this called dragon reborn discussion very soon i don't know a week or two so stay tuned thank you again and uh, we'll see you on reddit and on facebook where you can interact with us we reply to every direct comment and we reply to every reddit comment that has reason to be replied to uh let's just put it that way i i I don't (laughs) reply to everyone some of them are like some of them are like this was awesome and i don't i don't want to just type like yeah <laughs> so upvote so but i but i do uh, yeah there you go. i i do upvote all of them so um uh, we are listening anyway thanks again everybody and uh so everybody on reddit up yours <laughs> <laughs> I, i'd say that's a good one to go out on all right we'll, we'll call it all right up yours everybody yeah.